January, 4 B.C. Joseph Outside, a thunderstorm raged. A great wind frightened the animals and bent the trees low to the ground, shaking their leaves almost off their branches. But inside the house of just-married Simon and Esther, there was light and laughter. A long table covered with a striped cloth was pushed up close to the wall, and it was laden with earthenware platters decorated by palm fronds and piled high with eggplant and olives, with spit-roasted beef and lamb and fish, with rounds of flatbread, with grapes and oranges and figs and sweet cakes. Beneath the table, 16-year-old Joseph sat cross-legged in silence, watching sandals and ankles and hems of tunics go by. No one had seen him. He was almost totally obscured by the tablecloth, and he enjoyed the anonymity. He was, of course, a man now. But he could not resist on occasion returning to the pleasures of boyhood. This was one such pleasure, to sit hidden and watch the elders as they drank ever more wine and acted ever more foolish. In the corner, he saw old Samuel weaving as he stood with his feet far apart, trying to focus on the face before him. Wine had sloshed from his wooden cup to dribble down his mantle. You will soon be on the floor, Joseph muttered, and was startled to hear a voice say, I am surprised he's not already. Joseph turned to see a girl squatting just behind him. You have found the seat of honor, she said. May I join you here? There was something familiar about her. We are known to each other, he asked. She nodded. You have seen me many times, and you spoke to me when last you saw me. You came to the well when I was there last summer. I was gathering water with my mother. You were passing by with your father, Jacob. Your memory serves you well, and I remember now also. You are called Mary. She was a wonder to behold, with her black curls escaped from her braid, her cheeks flushed dusky rose, her gaze so direct and yet mysterious. She tucked her hair behind her ears, and he saw the lines of her high cheekbones beginning to assert themselves. Her lips were full and pink. He was suddenly dry-mouthed, his heart knocking about in his chest like a caged animal wild to be released. Yes, I am Mary, she said, and you are called Joseph. And her voice, low and musical, laugh-like. The utter completeness of her beauty was astonishing. It made for a rush of emotion in him so strong it felt like anger. You have grown, he told her, and his voice cracked, causing him to blush to the center of his soul. She appeared not to notice, but instead stared calmly into his eyes. And you also. How old are you, he asked. Newly thirteen, and you? Seventeen in two days. They regarded each other carefully. And then he ducked down and pointed to the people before him who had joined hands and made a circle to dance. They whooped and called out to one another, stamped their feet, threw their heads back, and laughed. They rejoiced, so, Joseph said, caught between wanting to admire them and to ridicule them. 
It is as though King Herod has died and the Messiah has come both together. She came closer and peered from beneath the cloth to see the dancers, then sat next to Joseph. It makes me happy, their happiness, she said. And there was in her simple statement a truth that made him ashamed of his ambivalence. Of course it makes me glad as well, he said. What was it that she smelled of? It was a scent of air and water, of salt and bread, of the white blossoms that flowered on the olive branches, of apricots and nuts, of earth. He felt himself growing dizzy. He leaned back onto his elbows and looked at her. Where are you from? She cocked her head, puzzled. Nazareth? No, he said. She raised an eyebrow. No? He shook his head. No. I am from Nazareth. Unless you mean... Ah, I was born in Sephoris, but I came to Nazareth when I was just... No, he said yet again. She stared at him, then lowered her eyes. I believe you must know of my extraordinary circumstances. She looked up again. Is that what you mean to say? He shrugged. Perhaps. He didn't know what he was saying. The girl confused and unsettled him. She smiled, a warm, rich thing, full of its own intention. He had never seen such a smile. But then her face grew serious. Behold! By a way known only unto you and God, you have come to know of my great secret, of my strange beginnings. I have never spoken of this to anyone, nor have my parents. But I will reveal all to you if you promise never to tell another. Will you promise? He smiled uncertainly. She remained somber-faced and did not speak, waiting for him to agree to what she had asked. I promise he said. She nodded and resettled herself, sitting back on her heels and again anchoring her hair behind her ears. So be it. We have agreed that this will be known only to you and to my parents, now and forever, unto the end of the earth. Yes, his chest inflated with his importance. She leaned in closer and spoke quietly. I was found beneath a date palm tree at the edge of the great plain of Esdraelon. I was wrapped in cloth spun of gold, wearing a crown of jasmine flowers. Beside me were gifts of incense and linens, of spices and jewels, left for the one who would take me unto herself and raise me as her own. He tried not to laugh. Ah, she said, I see that you cannot believe. You must not feel ashamed. It takes a man of rare qualities to... I believe, he said, I do. I believe. Now she laughed. Then you have believed a lie. But the circumstances of my birth are yet more miraculous than what I have told you. My mother, Anne, was barren. But late in her life, an angel appeared before her and said... Mary stopped and turned her head in the direction of a voice calling her name. Her high brow, her strong nose. 
I must go, she told him, pulling up her head covering and starting to crawl away from him. He put his hand on her back. Wait. When Mary turned to him, he found himself frustratingly wordless. Again they heard her name being called more insistently this time. I must go. Until the next time, he managed. She rose too quickly and knocked her head against the underside of the table, then turned back to Joseph, giggling. He did not smile. He would kill the table for hurting her. He lay down on his stomach to watch her walk across the room. Her gait was slow and easy. She moved with her back straight and her head high, and her bearing suggested something beyond the normally erect posture seen in Nazarene women who were so used to carrying heavy loads upon their heads. Mary took her mother's hand, then turned to look in Joseph's direction and smiled. His breath was tight, his belly aching. He watched as she and her parents headed out into the rain, then sat up and returned his attention to the flush-faced revelers and silently invited them to his own ceremony now that he knew with certainty to whom he would be betrothed. It was as though it were written in the stars, and always had been, and always would be. Mother, he called. It was late into the night, and Joseph could not sleep. He had lain for at least an hour, turning from one side to the other on his pallet, staring up at the ceiling, occasionally reaching out his hand to run it slowly along the mud wall, cool after the storm. He had touched himself, lightly and with wonder, understanding now the reason for his manhood. Mother, he called again. It was his father's frame that suddenly filled...